You're listening to Cine Binge. Welcome to Cine Binge. This show was born from my friend's persistence in me watching certain shows. I've been asking Simon to watch Dark, a German TV show on Netflix, which I guarantee he will like. But for some reason, he's always been a little apprehensive about watching it. So I said, I'll watch it if we can put a podcast around it. And this is that podcast. Welcome to Cine Binge. My name's Simon. And my name's Andrew. And today we are talking about, or we continue talking about, the series Dark. And we're on episode six. And I realised something. There's only ten episodes per season. Only for the first season. The last two are shorter. So I'm over halfway. You are. That's a really good feeling. Mm. Not that I'm not enjoying it, because I am starting to really enjoy it. I'm thinking now it must start to really build momentum and it must really, it must start to reveal plot points and move the story along like at a pace because you can feel the whole thing is starting to build up and build up. It was slow to begin with, but now I feel like it's about to accelerate. Would that be a fair presumption? Yeah, I would say so. I know certainly when I was watching this for the first time, I think by obviously the end of the last episode, with the revelations that we heard in that episode, followed by the way this episode is panning out, we then start to, for me at least, I was I was itching to get straight onto the next episode by now. I was like, I, I need answers. I need to know what's going to happen. I need to know what's going on and why. This episode was called, well, there's something in Greek. I can't remember what, can you remember what it was, what it was called in Greek, the Greek wording of it? It was Latin, Sigmundus Creatus Est. You know, it's so funny that this is actually the third time we've recorded this and every time I've said it's Greek and Andrew said, no, it's Latin. So he's like, yeah, show us how much you listen, which is true. I do listen, but only when it's important. And that was important. So moving on. And what did it mean in English? It means the world's not enough. No, that's bonfa. It means no time. No, it means the world is created. Yes, it's actually a quote from a, a real world artifact called the Emerald Tablet. What was your take on it when you first saw it? Well, there's certainly more questions in this episode. I mean, let's let's talk about what this episode is about as a whole, really. You've got Ulrich really digging in now, trying to find out what happened in the past with his brother, to the point where he is even challenging his own family members on what actually happened back in 1986. By the end of the episode, you get the feeling that it's dawned on him who the child is that appeared in the beginning of the first episode. So that's certainly a, an interesting development there. Meanwhile, you also have some developments around some of the families. The Tiedemans seem to be going through some major troubles in their life at the moment. And the Nielsens are clearly going through. I think reality is catching up with them in terms of what they're going through in terms of Mikkel disappearing. It's finally catching up with Marta and, and Katerina as well. So there's a lot going on there. And obviously, while all this is going on, we also have Jonas visiting the caves and trying to find out what, what mysteries the cave has. So lots to unpack, I guess, in this episode. He has decided to follow the signal, which was written on the, I think, the map that he had. This is Jonas. And that was the part of the episode that I enjoyed the most. I found that the most interesting and it was, you know, he goes into the cave and again, we're hit with more imagery of loops and threads, which I found really interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, he goes into this cave and he comes across a door 
and the door has this symbol that is on a certain book that we've seen, I think, a few times now. But I'm not too sure how that all ties in at this moment. But Jonas is clearly onto something. He's on a mission. Does he know what he's even looking for? Or is he just intrigued by what's on this map? Yeah, I think it's fair to say he doesn't actually know what, what's there, does he? He's just following what's being written on a map and he wants to see if it reveals anything interesting. Obviously, with the news that he, he had himself last episode, he obviously knows that the cave has some sort of bearing on Mikkel and his father. So he wants to find out more about that. I think he's inquisitive to find out the, the exactly what happened around his father's disappearance and death and so on so i think that's probably driving him to to investigate the caves with the writing on the map telling him to like follow the signal plus the thread in the cave somebody is obviously trying to guide him towards this so there's clearly a reason they need him to do whatever it is that he's doing here because they're giving him a lot of tips to to find whatever it is that they want him to find i might sort of step ahead here simon's theory I think the person who was trying to help him, I think it is him who was trying to help him. Okay. I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure today, and that's a really good film because I think it helps me understand time travel more than dark. And I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Of course you have. I have, but not for a very long time. I okay, so I have to dig out. They, can, they go back in time and like they see themselves, and there's part where they go oh, I need to get the keys to my dad's car or something. And he's like, okay, well, we tell our future selves when they go back to leave the keys under this brick. Excellent. And I'm like, that's like dark. That's that, that's <laughs> that's like dark. So my I thought, yeah, that's... Um, so I thought, well, maybe, bringing it back to dark, maybe Jonas has set this out for himself that would suggest then that the the writing on that map is his own handwriting in the future yes does he recognize his own handwriting i suppose is a good question unless he got someone to write it for him yeah <laughs> now we're stretching it a little bit aren't we i guess <laughs> if he doesn't recognize his own handwriting then perhaps it's not him well would you recognize your handwriting i probably would if i saw a letter i wrote in the future but i hadn't wrote now I don't think I'd recognise it because the only reason you'd recognise something that you've wrote is because you've wrote it and you would recognise it because you'd remember holding the pen and writing it. But if it was in the future and it came back to you, you'd be like, well, it's similar, but I didn't write that because you wouldn't know it's from the future. Wouldn't you just make sure by writing, hi, Simon, here's a message from your future self. Please do this. It's really important. I mean, did you see that letter that I got from me in the future? Uh, yes. It said, hi, Simon, start a podcast, otherwise the world will end. So I started three. <laughs> Just to make sure. Just to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Unless making more than one actually causes the end of the world. Yeah, like a paradox. Mm. Shout out to Back to the Future again. I Yeah, so I, I think Jonas has potentially left those clues for his... Or maybe... Not Jonas in the future, but maybe Jonas in the past left that for him to find. So Jonas, in a version of him in the past, yes, didn't doesn't remember him writing the same. No, 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 no. He didn't write the map, but it was Jonas in the past who set that thread, that that trail. Okay, right. So are you saying that there was a Jonas who, at some point in the future, 
forget Jonas. Jonas was never in the future. I've I've changed my mind about that. Jonas in the past. We're talking nineteen eighty. Jonas who goes back in time because that's what happens in this episode. He goes back to nineteen eighty six. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. Right. Okay. So yes. that's where my my thinking well, is with that is, one. This is what that's what I meant by a Jonas in the future. I mean, some at some point beyond the episode that we've just watched. Oh, okay. Uh, he a version of his young self will set up the clues so that his current present day self will find those clues. I get what you're saying now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's a possibility. Yeah. I like, I like that. That's certainly uh, a staple of some various science fiction time travel type stories. Yeah. That, that could be, could be possible. I, I think to be perfectly safe with what we're doing with this and for you, um, I, used to listen to funnily enough a podcast about lost when that was on and it was hosted by damon lindelof and the writer and whenever they did like a live thing and someone asked a question or they had a theory that was sort of close to what it was potentially was damon would just say i i can see i i appreciate the question but i am not going to answer that or i'm not going to confirm that because I'm starting to think I'm getting well close here and I can feel like you're getting proper twitchy and nervous. Or... <laughs> and or. You just shot me right down. No, you don't need to say anything else. Just by just saying, or, I'm like, all right, I'm fucking wrong, aren't I? Yeah, yeah I think I did mention in the past that I would be attempting to divert the... Uh some of your theories and questions in the wrong direction to keep you guessing a few red herrings here and now the odd question that i know uh, i will be asking has no real relevance to the show at all but is there to keep your mind racing so yeah no uh it's it's yeah i'd rather say that than just shutting it down by going i, I don't want to answer that because i think that really does prove once and for all <laughs> that it is getting too close to the truth yeah so no I, i'm going to continue to um deflect so the other thing we find out um, is Tanner is proper crazy and uh, and Ulrich. You'd have thought he'd have done this already, though. If someone accused you of, of rape, um, you'd have thought maybe when you get into the, his power, like you get into his sort of vocation, his job, you'd be like, who actually did accuse me of that? And he, you know what I mean? Like I thought that was a bit um strange that he hadn't already investigated that i do wonder i mean obviously the, the legal the ramifications of that being able to look at a case that involves you uh whether that's actually something that he's even legally allowed to do despite his position um that's that's something that did cross my mind yeah but i did wonder you know why hadn't he snooped sneaked to look previously to see what the deal was with that uh, I guess he was so he was so confident that it was uh, Regina Tiedemann that had done it. Like, I guess he never really thought twice to to look at it. But he absolutely is being caught now because she sees the itemized phone bill. She phones it, and then Hannah answers it, and is like, "Mate, that's it. You're done." I mean, she she was suspicious already, like you said last week. Yeah, she could smell that that like she could tell the smell. But now mm. she's like, it's confirmed to her. But then the fact that Ulrich confronts um, Hannah and you're like, oh, you feel really kind of awkward because you know, well, you know she's she is guilty as. And then she just basically says she did it because she, she didn't say she loved him, did she? But did she say like, I have to have you or something like that? It was 
not necessarily uh, love, I guess, at that point. It was more just that she had to have him and no one else could have him. Going back to Jonas, when he's in the cave, I quite like, I like Jonas. He seems the most sort of relatable and normal character at the moment. But when he goes into the cave, I thought, what, well, what's he looking for? You know, what is this? And obviously comes across this door. Well, then we cut to Doppler. And is it Ulrich's dad? Yes. All right. So we cut to them in like this, in this hut and they're mm. waiting for something like they know something is about to happen. Yeah, I mean, even earlier in the the episode when Ulrich was outright accusing his dad of of knowing stuff around his brother's disappearance back in 1986, questioning his mum and saying, you know, why are you defending dad? Because he wasn't there. I remember. I remember that he wasn't there that night. Uh, his mum starts to admit the truth that he was basically having an affair with Claudia Tiedemann at the time. Ulrich's clearly really sort of worried now. He, he's trying to find out what's going on and we know that his dad must be involved in something because with the, the the redness on his sleeve in i think episode two his dad clearly knows something is up and we kind of i think we've kind of mentioned from time to time that there's, there's a possibility here that there might be multiple people working together and this episode putting both peter doppler and ulrich's dad in the same room just that's that's it isn't it it's like game set and match these two are in it whatever it is these two are in it together they know they know what's going on yeah but, but it gets more interesting than that because we've then got this situation with with this book you know they're, they're looking at their watch and going it's almost nine seventeen. like specifically waiting for a specific time of mm. the evening they're waiting for something and then that, that's when it all kicks off isn't it that while Jonas is in the cave navigating through various doors we then start seeing the lights flickering in the background in the um in the schools and everywhere when jonas opens the door and he goes in that's when we start getting the uh all the lights flickering of disco lights uh i noticed when the play was happening well the whole village all the lights start to go crazy when that door was opened, which makes me think every time that door's opened, that's when we get this activity. I still am holding on for, I think, some of the older characters there now are the younger characters. Like, okay, like, for example, Peter Doppler, that could be, and I know it's not, but that could be Jonas. Or, do you know what I mean? I think that's what this is doing now. I think people who go back know what's going on this sort of time loop because they'd they'd be the only people who know this um so that's that's another one of my probably wild theories um and we had jonas goes in the scary looking door and i just thought i wouldn't go in there no way would i go in there it was like really narrow and you know it just wasn't very inviting i mean none i wouldn't be in the cave to be fair or whatever it was there wasn't in the future it's like set now yeah so i'd be at home asleep but yeah, what did you make of? I'm asking the wrong person because you bloody know. But what did you make of uh, every time the lights flashed? It, does that mean someone's going back in time or coming back? Well, it does look like that, doesn't it? Obviously, with the door opening, it seems to coincide. It, you've got the. I don't think it's a coincidence that the moment that door opens, you start getting that noise, the flash of lights. It coincides with the time in the book that Peter Doppler and um, Jonathan Nielsen are, are looking at. Uh, they seem almost surprised, I guess, that the that it matches 
I, I, you know, I don't think I don't think they were kind of. I guess it's like um, Biff Tanner's first realization when the first bet actually works, and he suddenly realizes that he's got something in in his hands that's telling the future. And I, I suspect they were basically in the same situation there. They they were looking at a book with a bunch of times and dates, and the first prediction has just come spot on, uh, and they're they're really confused by that. So I guess that's something that that although they're there maybe they they were there kind of not necessarily expecting whatever to pan out the way it did i, I think there is a there's a, there seems to be a clear connection that the show is making there between those events what do you think was the biggest uh, revelation in this episode i wouldn't necessarily say the biggest revelation uh i did find the the fact that ulrich had finally decided to look at the boy in a bit more detail and come to the conclusion that it was actually his brother. I kind of thought that that was obvious, that that was obvious the way the show was going to go. Trying to put myself in his position, being a youngster when it happened, the general fact that time travel... It's, it's, it, time travel is an interesting thing. We, as being third parties, I guess, to a story, kind of accept that time travel although it's not possible, we suspend disbelief and accept that it is possible in fiction. And that doesn't apply to characters inside the works of fiction generally. When it's given that those people are going to be very incredulous about the idea of time travel, uh, it's not something that's going to be at the forefront of their head. So if, if Ulrich sees a child, he's not going to automatically assume, oh, that's, that's my brother from the ni- 1980s looking exactly the same as he did back then. Mm. Whereas I think we as outsiders looking in are going, well, that's clearly who it is. Who else would it be? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the fact that he came to that, that that conclusion at the end of the episode was kind of supposed to be a big, massive revelation. And for me, it really probably wasn't. So I guess we then have to start looking at other aspects of this show to find the moments that we were like, what, what, what was this all about? And to be honest, I don't think there are that many. I don't think there's, I think the biggest, for me, the biggest interesting twist in this is simply that Doppler and Nielsen are together in that bunker. That was an interesting event for sure. But I also thought when those two characters and they have a cat fight, who who, mm-hmm. was the, who, who are the two ladies? What are their names? So that was Regina Tiedemann. Regina yeah. Tiedemann. Or, sorry, the Americanized one would be Regina Tiedemann which is what you probably heard in your show, whereas for me it'd be Regina Tiedemann. So she was the one who was basically telling the kids, you know, your, your parents are nasty people, basically. Also told Ulrich when she when he visited her at the hotel, saying, you know, I, I was never, I could, I could never be as bad as you. Your brother was much nicer. It should have been you that disappeared. That was one of them. And the other one was obviously Katerina Nielsen, who I think had been told some home truths by Regina, but also had given what she's been discovering about her husband and the affair and so on. She, she's had a massive rant on, on air, on radio, on a, yeah. on a phone in to tell, tell the entire town that, we're, we've got murderers here. No one's, no one wants to admit it. Everyone's lying and keeping secrets from each other. There was, I think, there's a certain element of uh, her talking specifically about her husband and the affair in there, as well as obviously her child being missing. Now, did Regina? Did she allude to those kids? They're not. Their parents aren't who they think they are. 
Yeah, I, I can see where you were going. That that does it is the sort of thing, isn't it? Where you know, do do you, not necessarily that they're not their real parents, but perhaps although that would tie in nicely with the earlier episode where they they agreed that they weren't going to have kids. Um, but I think my reading of that scene was more that your mum and dad has a secret, something that they did in the past, and they aren't the nice people you seem to think they are. They aren't the respectable. Mm school principal and and police inspector that you think they are there's there's more to it than that um so maybe that and that that doubt seems to seep in because marta and magnus at the end are saying you know we don't really know who our parents are do we we only know them as they are now we don't know what they were like back then there was also a line in it that reminded me of how back to the future came about and the line was you don't know what your parents were like as kids and I remember listening to Bob Gale, who wrote Back to the Future, and the whole premise of that film was, he said, you know, he had a revelation once, and it was like, once my parents were my age, wonder what they were like when they were in school. And that's how the whole premise of Back to the Future came about, because he said, imagine being able to go meet your parents. So that reminded me of um, of that, like when he said, you don't know what your parents were like as kids. And that was like, mm, that's interesting. Mm. Because it sounds like Ulrich was an absolute, he was a bully. You know, he he, t- he tied Regina to a tree in a scary forest in the in the dark. You know, he said, oh, we were kids. It was, well, did he defend himself? Did he say it was, we were kids, we were young? Yeah, I think he was basically saying, you know, it was a prank or whatever. But it was also, uh, I guess, in some ways, presumably this happened after the events with the rape allegation so it may have been a revenge thing from his point of view that they wanted to get revenge on her uh, but clearly that falling out has lasted a lifetime hasn't it between them they've they could have perhaps been friends but because of hannah's meddling they've they've always hated each other really unfortunately for for, for no, no reason at all so the biggest revelation was certainly uh, uh, Doppler and Ulrich's father in this hut, and the hut didn't look like a very pleasant place. But it didn't like a bar or a pub or anything like we get to hang out. It looked like they were they were there for with with purpose. The main sort of plot or the main event in this episode for for me was Jonas going back to 1986. I'm not only going back to ni- 1986, but who stops in the car? Who who stops and like says, "Do you want to get in? You need." A, I think it's raining. And uh, it's Hannah, and Hannah, young Hannah, is asking Jonas if if he needs a ride or whatever, and he's like, no, 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 and she's like, weirdo type thing, and uh, so you're like, oh my god, now Jonas has gone back, back in time. My question is, if people go back in time, can they go uh, <laughs> without waiting twenty years or however many years it is? Can they go back to 19... Well, no, sorry. Can they go back to 2019 by going in that cave? Or do they... Once they're back, that's it. They're stuck. Now, before you answer that, uh, Noah, he seems to be able to do it. Yeah, that, that that's a fair guess there. I mean, we have seen him in those two time periods and not aging between them. So that would imply that that is the case, yeah. And also, I guess also not forgetting Mads as well, because he was in 1986 and hasn't aged in death. He's shows up in 2019 as a dead body. There's no way that body would be, I suppose perhaps he could have been preserved for 20, uh, for 33 years, but perhaps he's also gone back through the, the same portal. And, but, but this was also interesting because it focused on 
big gash on his chin. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I must have missed something. I didn't get that where that relevance came from. That happened earlier in in this episode when Ulrich was talking to his mum after... It was around about the same time that he was questioning his mum about uh, his dad. And uh, the conversation kind of turned to Mads and, and his mum was saying about how they they were the sort of children who one minute they would be hating each other and the next minute, you know, being the best of friends. Uh, that And there was a particular accident where he hit his chin there was blood absolutely everywhere and uh you know it looked like a, a death scene a murder scene and then suddenly it's they're back to being the best of friends again but unfortunately he had a gash on his chin and obviously while Ulrich is looking through the photo album in the car and looking at all the pictures he looks at one of these pictures of the chart of, of his brother where like arms around each other sees the mark on his chin realizes that like well that, that's obviously some sort of identifying but i don't know if he kind of remembered back and went i think i remember that on this body or whether he just wanted to go back and have a look just to see whether there was one or not and obviously he discovers that this this body also has this this scar on the chin and i think that's basically settled it for him now i think he's ready to accept that this child is is basically his brother from the 1986 the camera focused on a necklace on a bedside table and I'm wondering did, yes. why does it, why is it focusing on that damn necklace? Like, where's the, what's the importance of that? Well, that's a really good question. So that that came about earlier in the scene, in one of the scenes where Magnus had gone back, I think, to the forest. To uh, he's just clearly still suspicious of what, what Francesca's doing. You know, the whole thing about where where's the money coming from, all of that sort of stuff. He's convinced that there's still drugs involved somewhere. He's gone to explore and try and find out what, what the deal is there uh, and comes across a scene that maybe is not likely to paint her in a good light. It suggests that it may not be drug money, but some other form of um, job that wouldn't be considered to be particularly legal or reputable. So I, I think that's basically what it's alluding to there is that this chain belongs to, we know it belongs to her. And now, you know, the question is, yeah, I mean, it's implied that she's basically been prostituting herself. Whether that's the case or not is another matter. We also find out um, uh, Regina's husband uh, finds this letter about, uh, it's from the doctors about his his, his wife, Um about a cancer screening and he's it's the first he knows about it and then he finds out well the doctor says she needs to make a call as soon as possible and mm. uh and actually i was surprised at this because it was the first time we've seen this character actually look like he's got a bit of um empathy and humanity to him and, and i thought well, okay this guy this guy might have some depth actually mm. yeah this is it i mean previous episodes as I, t- I think one of the things i said about this show and some of the characters is that there are certain characters that are kind of initially presented to be a certain type of character and you automatically think, oh, you know, this is clearly going to be a bad guy. But as with good shows, they kind of, they're not just black and white. There's there's grey to them and and some, it turns out, we just completely got the wrong end of the stick and they turn out to be the nicest person around. And yeah, it's uh, this is the first stage where we see sort of Alexander, the other side of Alexander Tiedemann, the, the, the family man, I guess, the the loving husband as opposed to the the corporate boss of a power plant shutting out the police. Overall, I didn't think it was the best episode really. I thought it was quite slow to start with. Oh, the opening was 
was good, but I thought it was quite a slow episode, this one. It's certainly, for me, better than two and four in terms of the episodes, but mm. it's it's you're right that there it is going to accelerate. And I think that that's also backed by, if you look at the IMDb ratings for this show, the final three episodes, I think, basically are the best three episodes of this season because it really does step up and there's more more answers and more uh more more to the mythology of what's going on here really the backstory and everything so and they they will start to unfold over time and i think from here on i think we've got we've got two key answers from earlier in the episode the thing about mads and the thing about mikkel have now both been answered we know where they've ended up uh there's still a question of why why have they gone where they've gone what's controlling it you know there's loads of stuff of around that 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 needs we need still need answers to and and i'm sure they they will come eventually there's there's also uh going back to the cave network that jonas explores mm. having having answered having opened the door and sort of navigated down this narrow tunnel the tunnel seems to kind of split off in different directions. Yes. And so he, he chooses sort of the path that seems to be to the right. You know, like what would have happened if he had gone to the left? I did wonder that. I thought, what is going on with this tunnel? Yeah, it had two ways. And how did he know which way to go? I don't think he knew which way to go. I think it, it was a complete guess. I think, I don't think he had any kind of, I don't think there was any notes or anything to say you need to now turn this way. No, absolutely. As part of your journey. So it was a it was a A or B decision and he chose B. Yeah, I'd have chose I'd have chose leave. I'd have chose turn around and get the fuck out of here. Turn around and go back the other way. Yeah, I think I may have done the same and waited for the whoever it is that's writing these things on the uh on the map to go turn right stupid or something like that just like to make it really clear about what they're expecting of me once i get to this situation i'm wondering who actually even put that door there like someone's got to put that door there like who's whatever is going on in this cave mm. um it's clearly he's been yeah. happening for a long time and at some point someone like if it is this portal thing and whoever is control thought you know what we best put a door down there you know because otherwise people just keep falling mm. in it Okay, let's put a door down there. But surely the sign would say something a bit more useful than thus the world was created. <laughs> that means absolutely sod all, doesn't it? It's not like, yeah. warning, ripping time here, don't go through here. The question is, what came first? You know, is it portal, the time, uh, or, or the door? Did they put the door there to, to uh, cover up that? You know, is, is it, Are either events natural is the thing I'm kind of asking. Is there just a natural rip in time down there and then they put the door there? Or is it a creation that they then put a door around? Again, you, it's kind of a bit of a random place to put it, isn't it? In the middle of a cave system that anyone could accidentally explore. I know we'll just put a door there with a random Latin saying that no one in 2019 even is able to translate unless they're an academic or a doctor. Yeah, unless there are different ways to time travel. Because we did see in the last episode... Um, the stranger, I mean, think it's a stranger, whoever it is, uh, approached the scientist guy and he says, tell me about time travel. And mm. he had a machine. Now, either that machine tells you where the portals are or that's some sort of time travel device. And maybe there's more ways to time travel than just using 
the uh the, the cave you know maybe there's a more convenient way to to do it the music that accompanied that scene uh with uh regina tiedemann coming home and crying into her husband's shoulder mm. that was yet another piece of music that i just fell in love with instantly and needed to go and download it straight away it has got a strong soundtrack this um it's but I don't. I'm scared to go and listen to it on Spotify in case anything reveals itself. So I'm just staying clear. But I do look forward to being able to like listen to it um, properly. And the theme tune, but you can't really call it a theme because there's no melody to it. But the end credits, that's that's really grown on me now. Um, and it's yeah. It, in fact, it's very similar to I, I saw that Tenet yesterday, and that has a wild soundtrack. And it's very similar to um, the end credits. Is very similar to some of the music in that film. It's interesting. I mean, there's a few other things that we're interested in this episode, actually. Like, for example, uh, they they made a point on showing the uh, the photos of of various classes through the years at the school, and uh, maybe a little surprised that nobody ever pointed out that there was a boy in one of the cl- class photos that looked exactly like one of the children at the school at that point. Mm. You know, uh, ch- children are, are, are bullies. I can't can't believe that not one of them went, "Aha, you look like that little kid from the eighties in this picture. You look like a child trapped in time." You know, that's the sort of thing that that I probably would have been involved in back when <laughs> I was younger. You know, you look like you you dressed in the 80s um yeah. so no i, I think that's, that's one of the uh the odd but maybe no one really paid attention to that cabinet possibly i mean uh, did you pay attention to what was in your cabinets in school not really no well there you go you know so there's uh the, the other thing that was interesting to know is while jonas was exploring the cave we also have uh, the play that's going on at the same time in the school that uh, Marta is performing a monologue at. And it's quite interesting. There was two parts of this that I, I kind of picked up on. I don't know how much of it is a coincidence or uh, whether it has more meaning to it, but the, the first thing is the character that had the black mask, I guess, across his face, the uh, across the eyes, kind of looks a little bit similar to how the boy that had been discovered in the earlier episodes with the... Um, sort of burnt out eyes across his uh, the f- black marks across his f- eyes and face mm. um, wh- whether there was any uh, reasoning for the, those similarities as presented by the show or whether they, that just happened to be I don't know I, I, I always second guess everything in this show whether there's a reason for it being the way it is and certainly that's true of, of the monologue that Marta gives as the character of Ariadne uh, which the character of Ariadne has, I think has been mentioned more than once in this episode, in this scene season already uh, particularly what makes it quite striking in this particular episode is that the reason that Ariadne is is sort of known the story of, of Ariadne is that she gave uh, Theseus a thread that allowed him to find his way through the labyrinth and then exit the labyrinth. Um. So while that's happening in, while this monologue is happening, we have Jonas navigating through this cave system following a red string. And that does beg the question, 
it, certainly there seems to be a deliberate theme going on here with Fred's Ariadne's Fred's and that that will allow him to find his way through and find his way back I'm guessing um so that's 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 something but also the wording the monologue itself that it sort of had a few interesting points uh so like, i think towards the end of it he says she says something like is he not your brother it's all the same to me and just the way things are going at the moment given that it was her mm. brother that disappeared it's yeah it's i think the whole monologue needs i think further investigation really because i think there's there could be some stuff in there that may or may not have some relevance later on it's i think that's the sort of stuff where if you what if you watch the entire season all three seasons and then come back to that monologue i bet there'll be some themes in there that you go oh that kind of relates to this thing over here that happened much later you know some foreshadowing Hmm. going on there how important is this episode in the grand scale of things none at all great okay there we go it's I think I think there's certainly uh, the fact that Jonas is now in 1986 must be significant. Um, yeah. That I guess that's that's the biggest thing that we take out take out of this episode now is that, that there's that, and then obviously the two men that seem to be involved that are waiting in the bunker. Uh, that, that that's obviously another big significant point. But I think everything else in this episode has been largely going out reiterating things that we kind of already knew you know we know that hannah and ulrica have been having an affair and that hannah seems to be a bit uh possessive of him and wants wants him for herself so i think we were covering a lot of old ground there but certainly the two new developments are that doppler and nielsen are involved in some way together and presume we presume at least that it might well we assumed at least that it was related to the kids disappearing but now we seem to have something related to time so there's yeah, there's that, and then there's the the big the big finish, really. I guess that Jonas is in 1986. What uh, damage is he going to cause? That's well, the question. That is the question, and the more I think about it, the more I think Jonas. I think he's already in the. I think he's already in present time, a lot older. I think we've seen him already, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a major character. I'm like, it's like a gotcha moment. Like, oh, there he is. Um, I mean, they've already done that, so it would be maybe too predictable for them to go down that route. I think we're going to see a lot of these characters and we go, oh, that's the same person. Or... Because I think it might be getting close to the truth. Or... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't... Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Put it this way, if this show was just that, I'd be like, okay, well, it's a clever idea, but you can't stretch that out of three seasons. So I think there's a lot more that that's going on. I think that's sort of the the mm. um, there's the tip of the iceberg. Um, so what is the what's next week's episode? What do we what do I have to look forward to? Next week's episode is a good yeah. Next week's episode is actually a pretty good one. Uh, there's a lot going back to uh, well, you're gonna have to find out, but I, I think you're gonna enjoy next week's episode. Uh, and I think it's going to be the episode that perhaps has you really immediately wanting to hit next and move straight to the next episode as soon as it finishes. But what's the next episode called? And I'll, I will predict what happens based on the title. The next episode is called Crossroads. Crossroads. Okay. In Crossroads, what I think will happen is... Thanks very much for joining us on this week's episode of Cine Binge. Once again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cine Binge. My name's Simon. And I've been Andrew. 
and make sure you go and leave us a review on iTunes on Apple it really does help the show and we appreciate all the little messages that you've been sending us and the tweets and whatnot. Uh, you can follow us at Cinebinge TV. You can follow us on Instagram, Cinebinge, and the website is Cinebinge.tv. But until next time, we shall see you soon. Boom, done. Cinebinge.